Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need when you need it with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The way we both think about those valves and like exit hatches and stuff is different. And that could be the subject of a future coaching sesh perhaps. But I, I, I think there are like other ways to retain the spirit of that independence without just the option of jumping out of the airplane. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't really have those. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hi, everybody. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing part two. Part Part two two. of, of the conversation that we were having about our partnership and the work we've been doing on it through coaching. And we're going to pick it up right where we left off. However, we would be remiss if we didn't briefly check in. So what's funny is that for you all, time has elapsed. But for Aaron (laughs) and I, only like, I don't even know what you were eating. A bite of a sandwich? A bit of a biscuit. A bit of a bit, like a, like a cookie or like a, like a. No, not, not a a British biscuit, a Southern biscuit. Southern biscuit. Yeah. Why are you eating Southern biscuits in Denver? Do you want me to ship you biscuits? The Denver here? Biscuit Company knows what they're doing, right? I bet you money they don't. And that's not the point of this episode. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. So <laughs> if you listen to our last episode, then you know that when we checked in, the checking question was, how nervous are you? And Aaron was a six and I was a seven with possible vomiting. So now an hour has elapsed. How nervous are you now on a scale of one to 10? I feel like a two or a three now. I feel like, like we're doing good. Yeah, I feel like, like we're three. doing good. I feel like we're nailing it. I feel like we like ripped the bandaid off. And even though some of the like maybe spicier questions are yet to come, I feel like now that we're like in it, I feel less worried about it. I feel like you're doing an incredibly good job at teasing both of these episodes where you're like, the spicy stuff is yet to come. <laughs> Like everyone is leaning in. They're waiting for that, you know, the, the, now they want to listen to part two. It's my own coping mechanism. It's not yeah. like, it's not the brilliance of a marketeer. It's just my own way of being like, uh-huh. settle it down. Still, it could, it could still, still go worse. off the rails. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where we're going to pick up from last time is where do you think we are in this process? Like if you could orient us, how far up this mountain are we? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think there are two mountains to climb, and no, three. There are three what? mountains in this mountain range. So many mountains, I'm sorry. I, and here's here's how I'd say we're doing. I think on the challenge of understanding what we were doing and and what the moves are and what the you know t-shirt 
reminders are about how to be different with each other, I feel like we're actually pretty far along on that. I don't feel like there's a lot of insights yet to come where it's like, oh, whoa, I didn't know we also do that. Mm. I feel like we kind of have like the core moves identified and the core patterns identified. Maybe that maybe there's some yet to come, but I don't feel like that's less than 50% done. I feel like it's rounding third base. Then there's the question of, have we actually like solved all the problems we wanted to solve in terms of the business and the operation and all that? That were much earlier on, but I think we have more confidence about the ability to do that, you know, fairly straightforward and and quickly. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is, have we actually internalized all this shit, like you were talking about in the last episode, such that it's not revert to the pattern, revert to the pattern? That I think we're like aware of that mountain and we're looking yeah. at it, but we're not like summiting yet. Yeah. Do you know how many sessions we've had? Oh God, it would be six. You think six? I have I no think idea. Six. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. The fact checkers. Someone told me once about duo therapy, whether in a business context or any other context, mm-hmm. don't even assess your progress until you've been in eight sessions. Okay. Well, Which I thought was an interesting shorthand. I mean, I say that stuff about facilitated meetings. I'm like, don't even, don't even reflect on how this is going until you're 10 in. Cause you don't even know enough right. to know what's good. Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. I mean, I think those three mountains <laughs> seem like mountains. Um, I don't know. I sort of have this feeling based on solo work that I've done in the past we're going to get to a point of competence and then it's going to just be easy. Right now, to me, there's still novelty in things that we're uncovering. Mm -hmm. I I find there's novelty in just like things that I'm noticing about myself that have very little to do with you through this process. And it's like, to your point, I don't think there's anything really big that's like not yet been revealed, but... I am still noticing stuff that feels new. Um, Like our conversation this week about like, you know, my habit of like overworking and overcompensating and doing shit that no one asked me to do and then being super butthurt about it. Like that's, that's insight that I didn't necessarily have before. And I think that once that sort of peters out and, and I've had the experience of that petering out before with Gareth specifically, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where I've been like, Every week is like a brand new reveal. And then pretty soon he's like, no, this is that thing again. This is that thing again. Yeah, and he makes me name them. And he's like, this is Oscar. Say hi. And I'm like, fuck. So mm-hmm. I feel like once we're there, then it's going to be like, okay, now let's just do a bunch of things in a not shitty way. Right. And I feel like that's going to be like the backside of a mountain. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we're I think we're a third of the way. All right. Maybe. Roughly a third? Well, I mean, like so many things we talk about on the show, it's a forever journey. It's a forever journey. Are the we going to keep like, coaching forever till we die? Well, maybe not. But we'll probably be practicing. <laughs> yeah. You know, for, for a long time. I think like the the chapter of like intensely working on this is one chapter and then there's the like much longer storybook of what we do with it after that. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Um, All right. So we're making progress. We're seeing mountains. From from our current vantage point, what are you what are you most worried about right now? I think the thing that I 
am worried about is that the the process of talking about this has forced us to name and accept reality. Mm. And and in so doing, it like changes the story of what we're actually doing right now in our partnership in a way that is true, but also like not as exciting to me as the fake story that I like to tell. Oh, can you tell me what those stories are? I don't know yeah. if I know them. What was the, what's the fairy tale version and what's the <laughs> reality of this life? I think you do know them. I think it's okay. just, I'm talking about it very abstractly. So the narrative that I was able to hold coming into this was we are like in the shit together, working on everything partners, mm. right? Like we're like, we're heavy collaborators. Mm-hmm. And and the the reality narrative that's coming out of the conversation is like, that's not temporally possible right now. <laughs> so actually what we're doing is a lot of divide and conquer. And there's a few places where we really overlap and come together. This is one of them. This but being that, a podcast. Yeah, exactly. But okay. I mean, mostly these days we just do coaching in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're good at. So I think, I think that there's a sadness for me in temporarily putting down the like in the shit together every minute of every day kind of partnership story. And, and so I've been resistant to do it where I'm like, "Ah, maybe I can still show up that way, you know? And it's like, no, you can't stop, stop doing that because you're driving her crazy. Yeah. So my worry is not about like an impasse or hurting feelings or not being able to solve problems or even about you liking me as it might've been in the beginning of the discussion. It's actually just about like letting go of an idea of how we were collaborating so that we can have a new idea and then seeing where that leads. And that that's been the thing that like most gnaws at me. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, I feel like as, as evidenced by some of our recent conversations with Gareth, like a big part of the work that we had to do was align on reality, you know, and like have totally. some shared view of what's really going on. Do you have different worries? I, you know what I worry about is I feel like we're in a very transitionary time in our partnership, but also with these businesses. And I've never really been someone who like had a plan or like had a next step or had an outcome in my entire life. It's just been like (laughs) swinging from branch to branch, like a monkey always, And that has, I feel like that has served me well. And also it's very aligned with my like strong compunction around independence and Uh fear of commitment is just like, I can just do what I want. And then when something better comes up, I'll just go do that. And there's something about being in this that feels like, oh, we're, we're transforming something and I don't know where it's, where it sort of leads to. And because, because we're doing it together, I'm like, Ugh, do I feel like hemmed in by that in some way? I got mm-hmm. really squirrely about commitment, as you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like a big, you know, it's a big theme. <laughs> and so, um, and so it's like when I've been doing self-work in the past and I've realized that like a situation needed to change or I needed to change or whatever, it's just been like, well, I'll just like look for the next branch. And now it feels like you and I are like through this process, sort of committing to this partnership that we want to have. And I'm like, ah, 
back. What does that mean? <laughs> right. I get, I like, I get a little freaked out about that. That makes a lot of sense. And it feels to me like it's something that you want, but you are afraid of. Totally. Of yeah. course. Yeah. I mean, I want to work with you and do awesome stuff forever. And also I want to not be fully committed ever to right. anything. Like I right. always want to have a door open. The exit patch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm not like that in my marriage. Mm. I have no idea. I, I think it's because I think it's honestly because Ed is also like very independent. And so we're like right. very close. A unit. But we're very we have a lot of freedom. Mm. Like we're very tight, but you know what? It's funny. Cause I've actually reflected on this a lot since you and I have been doing this work because since Ed and I don't have children and since our finances are separate, we are in some ways like not as interdependent in terms of decision-making as you and I are, <laughs> which is right. fucking crazy. But right. it's like, it's also like part of that is also by design. Like part of that for is sure, because sure. like we, we found each other because we both have these values and then we designed our lives because we both have these values. And now our life is an expression of these values. And that's how that goes. But it's funny because a lot of the stuff that has come up in you and I doing this work together, I've had moments where I'm like, why is this not a thing in my marriage? Which is also like a very important partnership in my life. And I'm like, oh, it's actually because like Ed just decides that and I don't get involved. And like, I don't ever have to ask him about my decisions. I just do what I want, including like buying a house and buying a car. (laughs) And like, I'm just like, I'm going to do this. And he's like, go get it, babe. And that's like how our whole dynamic is. And Mm. so I don't think I have like a lot of comfort being like dependent on someone. I mean, I'm, I'm emotionally dependent on him, but like actually interdependent. Right, right, right. In the way that it feels like this partnership requires interdependence to do the work that we need to do. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a deep cut. Like you promised spicy content. Spicy takes. There you go. Like, Was that it? I mean, that's about as real as it gets. I think you're right. And I think that interestingly, like the, I think our perceptions of how to have freedom and independence are different. Mm. And so like the, the way we both think about those valves and like exit hatches and stuff is different. And that could be the subject of a future coaching sesh perhaps. But I, I, I think there are like other ways to retain the spirit of that independence without just the option of jumping out of the airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have those <laughs> at the ready, like not, not at the company, like at the ready right. in my mind, the, those, yeah. those don't feel like, um, you know, the third way doesn't feel evident to me in this dynamic. Totally. It's like be imprisoned or escape. That's it. That's it. That's all you, <laughs> these are the options, everyone. <laughs> yeah. That's Perfect. what's on the menu in my mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why we're talking about this stuff, I guess. Yeah. Because that, that is, uh, that's heavy. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about like if I can do that and also whether it leads somewhere that I can be happy and free. Mm-hmm. Which I think is one thing that we have agreed on since before, during, and after this is this idea that like because we have a self managing system and we have an environment where we don't have like, outside shareholders to answer to or things like that. 
there's no reason that we cannot design our working lives to be satisfying and engaging and, you know, joyful. Yeah. It, it's, it's the, the challenge is really more about like fighting with ourselves in order to realize that. But I do think we both agree. We both value like work should be enjoyable and now's the time to make it enjoyable. There's no, uh-huh. you know, we don't want to wait for tomorrow for that. I think that is something that we definitely share. And the question is just like, well, what is, what is enjoyable? What does that, you know, what does that look like? And, and what, what levers do we have to pull to realize that? And then do both of our definitions of enjoyable overlap enough Yeah. to, to do a thing? So yeah. yeah, I am curious, building off the worry, is there anything that you've seen pop up in the conversations or as themes, or even that's still in the back of your head where you're like, I don't know if we'll ever figure this thing out or we'll ever get over this issue? Or is there anything that we just sort of have to accept as not great? I mean, I feel like the conversation that we had yesterday in coaching to me really highlighted something that is fundamentally true about us. And I don't, I don't think we have to get over it. And I think it is always going to be a tension between us, which Mm. is the overwhelm conversation. Right. And also this is what it says about Enneagram three and seven types. Is like that the way that they break bad is that like the three, which is Aaron, is highly ambitious and is like more, go, more. And the seven is like, are we having fun? No, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and and that that is like fraught because sevens get mad that they feel put upon and threes are like, why are you so lazy? And, you know, that's that's how that goes in the worst case scenario. And I think that um, I think one of the realizations that we came to just this week, or at least I did, is like, you are going to always take on more than I would. And that I am always going to like, want to do less than you will. And that like, my approach is, I want more spaciousness, and I want more depth in my work. And I don't want to feel pulled by my ambition Mm -hmm. and that like, that's actually very fueling for you. And I, and I just think that that is like a fundamentally different thing about us that I don't think we can get over. Like, I don't think you're going to become a person where you're like, I'm just going to do these two things just until they're finished with total focused, spacious attention. And I don't think I'm ever going to be the person that's like, I want to hold 20 roles and work very often all the time and not be working actively working my way out of that situation. Right. Yeah. I think that was probably like one of the most fundamental identifications that we've had in conversation, which is yeah. like the nature, the nature of me. And part of this, I think is me accepting this too. There's always like the, the strength and the weakness, right? Like this, this, you know, the weakness is a strength under stress. And I think like the strength of my style is that I like to kick up dust. Yeah. I, I want to, uh, there's always more. Yeah. And, and you don't even know the half of it. Like there, there is, there is a list as long as my arm of other things in the world that I think I could and possibly should be doing. And they're not, and like, it's, it's bad. 
Um, I'm seeing the restrained version of this, which yes. is very frightening for the listeners yes. who, who, you know, can only this just is the restrained. This is the restrained 42-year-old version of this pattern. Uh-huh. Um, and on the one hand, I have this artificial optimism that, that actually our guest Oliver Berkman talks about in his mm-hmm. book, 4,000 Weeks, of like, someday I'll catch up. Someday mm-hmm. I'll find all these post-its on my desk will finally be clear. And then... I'll sort of have my shit together and and be calm. And the reality is like, that's only true if you're willing to commit to less but better. Mm-hmm. And up until this point in my life, I've been unable to do that. I've been un- unable to make that commitment because the, the like biology of me, like my dog, right? Like Kaiser can't not bark when someone comes to the door. <laughs> we've offered him treats. We've tried collars. We've tried training. His DNA is, if there's an intruder, I need to alert the family. I've got 2,000 years of breeding telling me to do that. My breeding is like, start shit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't finish it. Don't, never finish. <laughs> and, and so I think I can do better and I aspire to do better. But I think the important part of the, about the conversation was like, if those are our default gears, then even if we both do a little bit different or a little bit more or whatever, like it's, those are still, that's the base note. And, That's the base and then, now. Yeah. And then what kind of music can you make with those notes is really the question. And so I think that was that was big for me. And again, there's like some sadness in admitting that, but also some freedom in admitting that too, where it's just like, you are who you are. And I think the best teams and the best partners and the best co-founders, like they they know their strengths and weaknesses and they fucking play the music, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, sometimes I think that we at the ready in general and you and I in particular, like sometimes because we're so uh, we're such like high performer type people, it's like, no, we can figure this out. Let's just keep trying to be different. Yeah. Instead of like, let's not keep trying to be different. Let's be exactly what we are. And then like double down on that. And what does that look like? Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, I think it's a really important, it's a really important revelation because it's like, I think some of how we started our coaching work was predicated on the idea that this was going to fundamentally change. Right. And that like you were going to shed a bunch of stuff and be really focused on a few things. And I was going to like take a bunch of stuff and be more potentially like fragmented and overworking and whatever. And the truth is, and going back to the very beginning of the last episode, neither of us is, is actually going to change shit about the other person probably ever. <laughs> like we can make commitments about right. how we want to do stuff. But the truth is we both have very well-formed senses of self. We are both pretty clear on who we are and what we want in the world. And so the idea that the work we have to do is to like fundamentally change each other's worldview is nonsense. And so I think like, you know, a big revelation for me this week, even before our session, and like, I obviously came in a little bit hot to that was just being like, I can't wait for this thing to change. I just have to, like, you've been this, you have been the, the starter of a million, like little fires everywhere since I met you. That is a huge strength. And I just need to build systems to like work well with that 
not be like, but when are we going to go over here and make this into a bonfire? And like, I have to stop being like, but what about the bonfire? And instead just be like, Aaron's lighting fires right now. That's totally cool. I need other mechanisms to work well with that rather than me being like, I'm going to turn all of these into bonfires, which is what I've been trying to do. And then being mad at you about it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, why do you keep lighting shit on fire? You know, I don't have any more wood. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, (laughs) this is the breed of dog that I am. (laughs) I know. You know, I think it'd be easier for you since you're such a good dog mom. If you just thought of me as a breed. I mean, you're the Kaiser. Obviously. this This breed lights fires. And of course, our listeners may not recall from many shows ago, and we talked briefly about this, but I did burn my house down. I do. So... So that was my childhood <laughs> accomplishment. So to say that I'm a little fires everywhere guy is abundant. Oh, ironic. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think we will get over basically being who we are as human beings. And I womp think like womp. a lot of the work, I know it's so hard. Um, and I think a lot of the work that like we still have to do is like, I think the acceptance of that is actually going to be its own practice for us mm-hmm. because you have a tendency to be like, no, no, no. At the end of this month, I'm going to be done with all of this stuff. And then I'm going to be, you know, a different person. And I have a tendency to be like, oh, I can just take this on. I'll just do it. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And then I get really mad about it. And so I think we're going to have to like stick in sort of a constant process of being like, this is who you are. This is who I am. Right. Let's, let's play the game. Like those are the rules. We both just need a t-shirt that says, no, you're not. And then we can point at it for each other. Now we have hats and t-shirts. Yeah. Pretty the hat soon. Is a safety hat. And then the shirt uh-huh. says, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. So when I'm like, this will be done and then I'll do this tonight. You'll be like, no, you won't. No, you won't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do feel like I say to you verbally and you're like, yes, I will. But now can maybe we can stop doing that. Well, we did. We did the first new version of that yesterday where you said, no, you won't. And I was like, okay. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. We were talking about hiring a new role and I was like, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And you were like, no, you're not. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. 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 And I hung my head in shame and it Uh was fine. But like, it doesn't have to be shameful. It can just be acceptance. It's, it's going to be shameful first for the first few goes, you know? Okay. And then eventually it'll be like, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not. That's totally (laughs) fine. You lit the tiny fire. Yeah. And if it's important, uh, we'll use it to burn a house down. I was talking to the lady Dignan the other night about some of these learnings and dynamics. And I was like, one of the things that's really hard right now in business in general, and certainly in both of our businesses is like, how do you, how do you show up for people where you're like, reality is things are getting hard. Like the world is Mm -hmm. clamping down. It is like the RIP good times memo is kind of where we're at. And yet you want to be really motivating and you want people to feel like they're dug in on that and like they want to, you know, still be committed to the, to the purpose and to the mission and, and all that stuff. And and I was saying, I struggle sometimes with the, like, how to have enough one-on-one relationships where people feel really held and supported in the relationship, like as a colleague or as a partner at work. And I asked out loud, I was like, how do you think how does someone like Richard Branson pull it off? Like you have 50 different virgin businesses, each with their own CEO, and you don't really do anything. Like you just light fire and yet people feel supported or they feel held in that relationship. And and she was like, maybe he doesn't do that. Maybe he doesn't. (laughs) I was like, on what basis do you believe that that's true? 
Yeah, he's like, she, she was like, maybe he doesn't commit to being super present for them. Yeah. And, and, and it was like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's an option, too. So that's, you know, it's all news to me. But um, but I think <laughs> that the the new to your point about like playing with these dynamics, I think for me, there are there are ways of behaving or ways of approaching different situations that I've never even thought of. Mm. Where it's like, no, you just say yes, you commit, you try to do too much, like you just you just spread the butter until it's on every part of the toast. Mm-hmm. And and in and in so doing, to your point, you like underwhelm a lot of the toast. Like it's mm-hmm. not super well buttered. Mm-hmm. And that has been like the only move. So I think it's it's what is exciting to me is about recognizing through the discussion like different things to try. And mm-hmm. to see, and even if it does feel weird the first time, try it again. Yeah. So yeah, that's, so I think I'll be doing a lot of, you know, reacting differently, hopefully. Or yeah. if I don't, you can point to the t-shirt. Great. I love it. So to shift gears, we have been talking about a little bit about worry and what we might not get over and surprises. Now I'm curious, is there anything big that you think we haven't gotten to, haven't talked about yet, haven't arrived at in the coaching work together? Yes. Sweet. I know. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. <laughs> now how nervous are you? <laughs> it's somewhere between a one and a nine. Okay. You know. Um, it's not bad. It's just it just hasn't really come up. I people probably don't know this about us both, but we had like eerily similar situations prior to the ready. Mm. And like different roles, different Lots of things, but a lot of similarities in terms of our prior endings before this. And I feel like, you know, you have shared a lot of that with me. I have shared a lot of that with you. But what I don't think that we have done that I think we probably still should is talk really in terms of how that stuff is showing up now Mm. because I sense in myself that I definitely have moments where I will be annoyed about something that you have done. And I'll be like, this isn't really an Aaron thing. This is like a thing from before that I am Mm. bringing to this situation and where it's like, um, you know, Gareth had this really funny analogy when I was working with him a long time ago about how I have this tendency to like, you know, if you envision like a house with a porch and that like, I'll be sitting on the porch and hear that there are wasps and be Mm. like, Oh no, there's a wasp's nest. And now it's really ruining my experience on this porch. And rather (laughs) than like having the wasp's nest destroyed, I burn the house down. Right. And, and I feel like I I've had some real burn the house down, uh, past and, and you've had some, some pretty gnarly stuff too. And, and I think we know some of that stuff about each other, but I don't think sure. that we know how it shows up now. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, I think we probably should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's probably true. And I hadn't thought about it at all, actually, but it makes sense because I feel like there are both things that we're trying to avoid doing. Again. Yes. Pa- yes. Anti-patterns, if you will. Yes. And there are things that maybe we don't know how to do or want, you know, want to do correctly, but there's, 
there's like some memory there and some reflex there. Cause I would say most of what I bring is, I think I bring a combination of defensiveness about not wanting to show up in my current situation. Like, like some of the people did around me in my previous situation. And I think I bring like an extra chip on my shoulder about ambition and scale and success because of that as well, because Mm -hmm. of how things went down. And so it's like, I want to prove that we can do it and do it big. And I want to be perceived differently. And Mm -hmm. so lots of sensitivity and live wires. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, like a lot of the commitment stuff that we've talked about also just like, you know, my fundamental inability to trust people, um, (laughs) except for like, you know, four people, you know, some of that is very much informed by past working relationships and feeling like, you know, feeling, feeling like they were left poorly. And so, um, I think your point is a really good one. I think sometimes we show up to, to work on something that feels a little bit spicy. And when it reminds us of a wasp, we are either avoidant, you're avoidant, and I'm like, burn the house down. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's because of real experiences that we've had that we haven't actually talked about together. Yeah, totally. And it's how we want to be perceived by each other. It really like draws from that, I think. 100%. Yeah. And probably like in the worst ways. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I would say like the the things that are most the things that are most triggering for me are situations where someone is like you're not trustworthy or you're not a good guy. 100%. And I'm like, "Wait, what?" Right. That's that's the most important thing to me. So, right. so then, you know, then it's like then I'm out of my right mind essentially. Right. So, yeah, that's I think you're right. That's a a huge uh bucket of goodies. So, I don't know, maybe Gareth is listening. He can be ready. Yeah, we should probably just send him these episodes. Here you go. Just work on this. <laughs> Here's how you did. We're just like, make a list. Yeah. Okay, fam. That's all the that's all the seasoning <laughs> you get today. This is as much soul bearing as Aaron and I can do on a Friday afternoon. So before we wrap it, what would you tell everybody out there based on the experience that we've had so far about when assuming they have access to the kinds of resources that we do, which honestly, it's not that significant. It's a little bit of money and some time, but assuming they have access and the wherewithal, when should people do doubles coaching? Doubles tennis. Uh Uh-huh. My, my recommendation for folks listening is probably, I mean, the, the, the blanket recommendation is like almost any time in any situation, it's a good idea to build your chops Get a third party in the mix and just grow your practice, right? When can that not be a good thing? But the likelihood of that happening is low. So when is it really critical? I think what I've learned from this is when you find yourself in a professional relationship where the thing you want to accomplish together is starting to look pretty big, pretty long term, and you're realizing that in order to really do that, you're going to need to be you want to go deeper. Like you're not satisfied to live at the surface level of like, what'd you do this weekend? You really need to access something else so that you can be in a high trust, high capacity, high volatility, you know, relationship where you're able to do real shit. I think that's the moment to lean in is basically say like, I need this to be deeper. I need this to be more so that we can 
have these other nice things. We can do these moves that we want to do. We can have a work experience that feels the way we want it to feel. And when it feels like they're the systems, the agreements, the commitments, the whatever that are in place are not cutting the mustard Mm -hmm. and it's not for lack of trying and it's not for lack of educating yourself about positive working practices, then there's a big, there's a big clue there. I think that's the big flag. And it's like, Hey, there's an opportunity here to take something to the next level. And the other moves we've tried aren't working. And we know that those are good moves. We Mm -hmm. know that those work for, for surface level stuff. That's when I would jump in. And I think the cool part about this is it's really easy to do it once and see what's there. Yeah. So like we, maybe we would have done it and been like, Oh, that wasn't such a big deal. And then it's over. Or maybe you're like, Oh, cool. This is a 10 session thing. Or maybe you kick up a hundred session thing, or God forbid, my biggest fear, maybe you kick up that like, it's not a good partnership. Right. All those are good outcomes. Right. right? Like all those are good things. Yeah. So I think that's my reco. It's probably a little bit long winded, but maybe you can make it sharper. I feel like a really good signal is if you were having fun and now you're not having fun. (laughs) That's awesome. Cause I just feel like the, the thing that really like tipped for me was us both just being like, fuck, why is it so hard now? It used to be so easy. And it just felt like, I just felt like we kept having the experience of like being in conversation and starting off like the way that we have always been. And then very quickly devolving into something that felt more tense and like not really knowing why. And then walking away and being like, ugh, why was that? Why can't we have fun anymore? It used to be so fun to do work together. You used to be Um, fun and now you suck. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Remember when you were awesome? Let's go back to those days. So, but, but seriously, like, especially for people who maybe haven't done as much like internal work, I think a really good signal is if you got into a partnership or a working relationship like ours because you got along really well and you Mm -hmm. like had a lot of fun together and because work felt like fun and then it stopped feeling like that. It it's probably worth like having a look at why that is. Cause, cause to your point, you'll probably figure out pretty quickly if there is something that is irreconcilable underneath that, or if you've just like lost your way a bit. Yeah. I love that. Your, your answer was much easier to act on. And I think what's cool about it is it is the visual metaphor of digging deep, right? Like when you, when you first start hanging with someone and there is a, and there are good vibes and there's good energy and your dynamic and the partnership or collaboration is really energetic. It's cause you're on the grass level, right? Like you're just playing on the surface. And as you dig a little bit, Eventually you're like, Ooh, I just hit something hard. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then it can feel like what happened and what happened is you actually went deeper. Yeah. Like you, you're not at the surface level anymore. You're pushing for something more, but it feels worse because you've actually like hit bedrock. So I think that's a funny, unexpected counterintuitive kind of signaling where it's like, did we break something? Right. Maybe, but really what you did is you kind of like kept digging and now yeah. you're in the deeper part. So you didn't break anything at all, but now you have to like, now if you're going to lay a new foundation, you need to like dig up the whole motherfucker, you know, now you have to like really go to town. So I think that's, (laughs) I think that's interesting. That's a really cool insight. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that you broke it. It's that you actually like dug into it. Right. And now if you want to build a house, you got to like go do the whole square, you know, you got to get everything out of there. 
Yeah. So I think dig up all the rocks. Yeah. And what's so interesting about this to me is, you know, our relationship is one relationship at the ready. And there are many. I mean, what's what's 40 times 39? You're right. There, there are yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of relationships. And I wonder how many of them would benefit or would need or have arrived at the point where it's like, maybe it's time to go a little deeper. Yeah. We'll Great see. question. That seems we'll like a pretty out. good place to wrap it up. Uh, maybe there'll be a part three of this someday. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> maybe when it's in the rear view and we're like, we are yeah. sorted out. Then we'll do another episode. Every week that you hear the podcast, though, you know that we're getting the work done. Yeah. So, you know, that's where we're, the barometer on us is you hear you hear these words. We're still here. <laughs> yep. We're still standing. <laughs> I'm still standing. I love it. Y'all, we really like did the work today. Would you leave us a review, please? This was like we already did coaching and then we just did two hours more processing our coaching. That is a lot, you guys. We have other jobs. So please leave us a review. We really appreciate it. We fried it up like a chili's hot plate. (laughs) All right. Quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making the two of us sound good, especially on those AirPods today. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. As for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.